Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with author and born explorer Joel David Bond. As a born explorer, he has spent over two decades living and working around the world, from farm work and Italian vineyards to jet setting as a London-based flight attendant. His recent work in Iraq, his recent work in Iraqi Kurdistan built bridges between some of the region's most elite students and the locally marginalized refugee community through service learning. He holds a master's degree in education from the University of Nottingham in UK. His essay, Amazing Grace, was shortlisted for the 2022 Annie Dillard Award for Creative Nonfiction. He's got a lot of great stories. Enjoy. Good to Good. see you. Good. Nice to meet you. Where are you located? Uh, I'm actually just down the road from you. I'm in Olathe right oh, now. Oh, right on. Okay, yeah. cool. So Good. we're just here in Kansas City, local. I like it. Yeah, it's it's always rare on this platform to run into anybody local. So I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe <laughs> it's happening. So I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, it's great to uh, run into you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I want to begin our conversation with living through the last three and a half years or so, the heavy of going through a pandemic. How did you get through it and how did it change you? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, I mean, that's the subject really of the whole book that I've put out there um, is that whole quarantine experience and what had happened during that initial uh, lockdown period. And um, I think for me, what really helped me get through the pandemic was a lot of mindful meditation, um, sort of taking that, having that space really to turn the volume down on all of life's activities and kind of go inward for a bit and really allow myself to think deep. Yeah, you know, and, and the interesting thing is you've been all over the world and I'm curious mm-hmm. if you were to be put in front of a bunch of grade schoolers, it's third graders, let's say it's career yeah. day. And they want to mm-hmm. know what you do for a living. How would you answer them? You know, what I tell people now, as I'm sort of in a transition period myself, uh, is that really my goal is to help people navigate their world with mindful intention. Um, so whether that's through educational systems, which is what I've most recently been working with, uh, or uh, just helping people physically navigate the world through travel, um, or through motivation and inspiration, uh, sort of my main goal really is to just help people navigate their world with some focus and, and purpose. So what did you want to be when you were a kid in the third grade? Oh, I wanted to be an explorer, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've actually done that. So I'm curious, are you originally from the Kansas City area? I am, yeah. Born and raised from here, um, okay. but I've spent the last 20 years living abroad now. And uh, have only recently been relocated back here to the States um, due to conflict overseas. So what were the seeds that were put into you? What was your childhood like? What made you want to explore and go out? I mean, you've there's all these vignettes of working in vineyards in Italy and being a flight attendant in London. How did all of these curiosities become who you are today? Uh, well, I ascribe that to two different um influences really the first is my mother uh my mother basically when she was growing up uh she tells the story when she was a kid in chicago growing up that her neighbor's mother all the time would be like linda why do you just have to go somewhere <laughs> always doing something hopping on your bike and going down to watch the highway being built or going down to the corner drugstore to pick up a soda or whatever she's always going someplace and i think it's sort of genetic really just this <laughs> desire to go someplace new The second uh, influence I really ascribe that to is actually when I was in primary school, we had a presenter who would come every year and give talks on geography, different destinations that he'd been to every year. Uh, The guy's name was Randy Nadler. 
And uh, he just sparked a curiosity for global travel and exploration. And so ever since my grade school days, I wanted to go and see the places that he had seen. And I wanted to always just explore and discover something new like my mother was always doing. So two big influences for me. So what was the first big trip you took that maybe gave you butterflies, but made you feel comfortable with, hey, this is what I want to do? Um, so first time I ever really went abroad uh, would have been my junior year of high school and i did a three-week exchange program to france um and i remember finding that experience to be both incredibly challenging but also exhilarating um i remember flying across you know the atlantic ocean we you know ended up living with host families for three weeks and sort of experiencing french culture and life and food and it was all so different um and my french at the time was very limited and so it was kind of you know, frustrating to have to navigate all of this, but I just loved the challenge of it. I loved the opportunity to learn something new, explore something new, to sort of push myself outside the comfort zone and to really grow as a result of it. And I think I was hooked ever since then. I had to go, I had to go overseas again. <laughs> so of all the places you've been to, what was the most surprisingly magical place that you were at that you didn't expect it was going to be like that? Oh, Iraq, 100%. Yeah. Um, when I first moved over there in 2016, um, I went, you know, sort of given a contract thinking I might leave after two weeks. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, ISIS was still active at the time. Um, and I flew in and I remember changing planes. I was flying from London through Istanbul to Iraq. And I remember the first leg of the flight, two cosmopolitan international cities, London and Istanbul. Flights were fully international. You had people from everywhere, Nigeria and Japan and Brazil, all on these flights. And the second flight, I changed planes and went from Istanbul to Iraq. And it was all, I was in the Kurdish region. It was all Kurdish. And I was the only Westerner on this plane. And I thought, what have I got myself into? But I ended up staying, I was there for seven years and found it was just incredibly magical to be in the, the cradle of civilization, to be surrounded by Mesopotamian culture, the birthplace of writing and language and culture, um, and have all these historical places and those, you know, those biblical stories that you grew up with, or, you know, all these sorts of things that are just around you that you could just explore. And it was amazing. It just absolutely blew my mind. So what explore that we learned about in grade school? fascinated you the most who did you admire the most Ooh, you know i don't know that i ever really study question answer to that question um i mean i just remember growing up being fascinated by you know the spanish conquistadors who would come and explore you know north america and i remember magellan sailing around the world i think you know maybe maybe magellan you know that one kind of sticks in my head is like just he went everywhere when circumnavigated the globe and it was just this sort of amazing accomplishment for his day um yeah, I th yeah. anybody who's been been where they didn't think they could go yeah you know attention. the you know, I think about this too. I spent a lot of time in my twenties traveling, you know, I went to Italy and went to Europe and really studied that or went around the United States, but I always found that Kansas city was a good springboard. It's right in the middle of the country. It's easy to get out of. What yeah. is the allure for Kansas city for you, for you staying here? Uh, you know, at this season of my life, it really is family. Um, I have older parents that are in the region, uh, a younger brother with nieces and nephews. Um, you know, it kind of brings me just back to my roots. And honestly, I think that's been kind of at this season of my life, one of my main principles to pursue is to just stay in touch with my roots, with my origins. Because once you spend a lifetime 
traveling, uh, you find yourself, you find out that sort of home is everywhere and nowhere. Um, cause you've, you've always kind of moved from place to place and, uh, set down roots in different places and made homes. And I have always said that home is where you are known, but there is something about coming back to that first route, that first base where you were born and raised that I think is just the season of my life where I need to be here for this particular time. The one thing that travel's done for my brain living in Kansas City is that I always feel like there's little things that happen here that feel like other cities. For instance, that mm. revolving sushi thing down on the plaza now at Kira. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm in Kansas City. I feel like I'm in <laughs> like maybe Hong Kong, maybe LA, little mm -hmm. bit maybe um, Greenwich Village. It just doesn't mm -hmm. feel like like there's something about getting in there. And I think that's the thing that's cool about Kansas City going to other places. This mm -hmm. town's really been built up. I mean, we're going to get the World Cup. I mean, I know, right? <laughs> that's incredible. What I mean, I think Kansas City is way more cosmopolitan than people originally th thought it was years ago. I mean, it's yeah. totally had a had a boom season. So, yeah. I mean, even I went down to the NFL draft and I was just going to do that experience thing. But mm -hmm. my wife and I went down and we got kind of shuttled into the front of the stage and got to see the last pick. Mm -hmm. And I just could not believe what I was watching. I mean, there was media everywhere. They totally redid the whole thing. There's bands on stage. Everybody's happy. I'm like walking up to it. Felt like I was in Chicago. There's vendors everywhere. I'm like, when did Kansas City become this? So it's kind of fun <laughs> to see the transformation and the maturity into what we used to be is the Paris of the Plains. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no, I think Paris is the plane. That's a great, I've never, actually never heard that phrase before for Kansas City, but that's, I find that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, a lot well, of art and culture here. Absolutely. I think it's surprising. I, you know, I have a jazz radio show and that's kind of where that, that term came from. And it is, fa I, I did hear a stat when the pandemic began because of Pendergast and us having booze for that time period, we were the longest running city that had live entertainment going of any city in the world. So when everything <laughs> shut down, we were literally on the books as the one that stayed open when other cities had to close down. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't cool? know that. Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those fascinating things. Um, so I'm curious with you having such a level of adventure in you, mm -hmm. who's been a hero for you in your life? Oh man, a hero for me. You know, that's a question that a lot of people ask, and I've never really had anybody that I sort of say, this is the person that I really look up to and admire and I want to emulate. Yeah. I think I've always kind of wanted to just forge my own path and be my own person. And, you know, the hero is, you know, inside of me and my own journey and what I'm sort of uncovering and discovering as I go through life. Definitely a lot of people influence that multifaceted, you know, multifaceted aspects of my personality of people who I think you know, I want to take this from them and learn this from this person and, you know, be of service to this person over here. But in terms of one particular hero, I don't know. It's it's all in here somewhere, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about this? If you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, someone that you find fascinating, who would that be? Alive on the planet right now. Uh, you know, Again, one thing that I've always sort of thought about this question is I would love to meet, and to, you know, I honestly can't remember the guy's name, 
Um, he was one of the like uh, nightly news broadcasters when I was growing up in the you know late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and uh, and I remember just like he was there at Tiananmen Square and the fall of the Berlin Wall and like all these historical monumental events and was reporting live, you know, from all these places. And I think someone like that would be super fascinating to just sit down and have dinner with and be like, "Wow, you've seen these big momentous moments of our current history." Tell us what it was like to be there, to report live from the scenes. You know, someone like that, I think, would really fascinate me. Yeah, my day job is as a uh, IT technician for a school district, and our PR person that was here for a while was a reporter. And I said, what was the one story that you covered that was just mind-blowing? And he flew to Columbine after it happened. Oh, wow, yeah. And the weird thing was, was that in the, the school that I was at when this happened, I don't. we were covering some event that had nothing to do with any heart pounding tragedy. It was just some of them. There was a counselor in that school that was actually a student at Columbine, which was wild, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I, I, when you said that, I was thinking about Ted Koppel. I, I saw the Elvis movie. Yes. And, and <laughs> Ted, Ted's awesome. So I watched the Elvis movie and I was, I just kind of got into a rabbit hole and I watched an interview with the colonel and Ted Koppel did it. And he was mm -hmm. so democratic about the way that he was kind of painting him into a corner about, hey, do you think maybe you Im you impeded Elvis's evolution? And hmm. just things like that. Just the way Ted would do things. I've yeah. always admired him. I've always yeah. admired Tom Brokaw and all that. But yeah, they they definitely have a front seat to history for sure. Yeah, those people. I think it's. I mean, they'd be they'd be great dinner guests. Yeah, like that's just you know. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this: If you could get into a time machine and go back and be a reporter and cover and be in front of one event in human history, where would you go? What would you love to have been in front of? Oh man, what would I love to be in front of? You know, I think the sort of archaeologist Indiana Jones, you know, sort of the little kid in me would want to go way back and like, let's go see, you know, the invention of writing, you know, let's go back to, you know, ancient Sumeria and like the Tower of Babel and ziggurat building and, you know, like a part of me, you know, that's obviously like long before news reporting kind of thing, but yeah. just, uh, you know, ancient deep history, I think, really intrigues me on that front. And just we, we know so little other than sort of the remnants that have remained, you know, that are here now. Yeah, um, it's so hard to piece together that history. And so I'd love to go way back in deep time and see what see what was like. Yeah. So what is the motivation for you every day? I mean, you, you wrote a book, you mm -hmm. travel, you explore. What is that motivation every day for you to get up and to explore the world and to evolve as a person? Um, you know, I think I really just see in the world, there's a lot of, uh, opportunity for people to learn and to grow and to help one another and to, and to be of service. Um, one area of passion for me right now is really, uh, the global refugee crisis and migration. Um, as part of my experience during the pandemic, being quarantined in Greece for five months, sort of accidentally, um, here I am a man from the West who is trying to get back to my home in Iraq and Middle East. And I had accidentally been caught in Greece there for five months. And uh, at the same time, I met all of these refugees from the Middle East that were caught in Greece trying to get to the West. And so our paths intersected. I ended up volunteering to teach English in the refugee camp there. Um, and I think that whole experience really opened my eyes to, um, 
you know, the global refugee crisis, 1% of the world's population is displaced due to conflict right now, um, which is a significant amount of people. Um, And if you compare that with, you know, the 1% wealthiest in the world that, you know, hold the billions of dollars, if there's a way that you could make those two intersect in some way, shape or form, you know, there'd be loads of solutions to, you know, global issues that we could, you know, address. And so I think for me, it's right now, one of my big motivations is to to see what I can do to be of service to the world, to get a message out there, to broaden people's perspectives and horizons and understand some of these deeper issues that are going on. So you had mentioned mindfulness, and I'm curious, as we've come out of this pandemic, do you see that we're entering some level of enlightenment as humans? I mean, we had George Floyd that happened. We had all of these social issues that kind of happen on the forefront. Do you see us coming out of it, maybe entering a new age? I mean, because when after the Spanish flu, the 20s came around, it was it, mm-hmm. it was a time of flourishing culture. Things really started changing. There was a happiness. There was a revival. Do you see that humans are entering some level of enlightenment now? You know, I would hope so on some level. And yet I also just, you know, I hear our news headlines and I see our Mm. current situation in this country being so fractured and, you know, polarized that it's really hard to see the silver lining sometimes when the current headlines just seem so bleak. Um, So I don't know that I, I don't know that I really know where we're going as a society other than that I know that you know, as individuals, we can make a difference and that if we can make it our mission to contribute whatever we can in some way, shape or form, that we will make a, a difference in, and move this world forward. So I think part of my mission really to wake up in the morning is to help other people see that like you can make a difference, even a little one, just go out and do it. So of all of the things that you've done and seen and become in your life, what are you the proudest of? Wow. Um, you know, I think I'm really just most proud of my ability to to connect with people from all walks of life, uh, from the refugees in the camp that I have had worked at to, um, you know, I, I, the school I worked at most recently had some of the wealthiest kids in the region. They were, you know, nieces and nephews and, you know, grandkids of the leadership and the prime minister of, you know, the Kurdistan region. So we've, you know, being able to connect across the whole spectrum of socioeconomic wealth and culture, I think has really just given me this rich tapestry to be able to, uh, you know, to serve so many different people from all walks. You know what? Another thing that's interesting about, you know, local facts and especially Olathe specifically is that there is a significant amount of Sudanese uh, there's mm-hmm. a big Sudanese community that exists in Olathe. I remember mm-hmm. years ago, the old, the basketball player, Manute Bol, I think he was 7'7", just didn't even look like a real human. He yeah. he lived there <laughs> and he did a lot of relief work. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think he got malaria, got something and, oh, and, and it was fast and he passed. But I remember that that was the thing. There was a strong community of Sudanese that existed in Olathe. And I always wondered why. Yeah. Um, so part of the, you know, with global migration, we got a lot of Sudanese, there's quite a few Algerians, um, Kansas city in general is home to a huge, um, immigrant population, really way more diverse than people think Kansas city is. Um, and I think a lot of what happens in the global migration patterns is you have someone who's sort of on the vanguard of settlement. Um, you've brought in a family from Sudan, they've had, 
some program through Catholic charities or educational services or whichever organization brought them over. And once you have one family settled, then many others will come to join to be nearer to their own sort of ethnic communities. So there do tend to be, you know, groupings across the country um, for various, you know, ethnicities that all kind of go up in one place. Um, So I don't know what brought the Sudanese here to begin with, but there's quite a few. Yeah, I'm always interested in things like that. So when you were growing up, what was the book that you read as a writer? What was the book that you read that really opened up the portal for you to want to read more or eventually write or give you this fascination for exploring? Hmm. Uh, Well, not so much when I was a kid, but more as an adult. One of my favorite books ever uh, is The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. Yeah. Um, and just the magic of that story of a life transformation of redemption through this main character, all set in the backdrop of um, the conflict in Afghanistan um, and that transition to the United States and sort of the life that he develops here as a character. Um, and just the writing, so strong, so such a powerful, moving story. That's one book that made me laugh out loud, cry on the next page. At one point, I was so angry, I threw the book across the room and couldn't read it for two days. <laughs> um, I mean, it really pulled on my emotional heartstrings on all levels. And so for me, that really inspired me to want to try and do something um, along similar lines, see what I could do to create. I just now reserved it. It's... Uh... Khalid Hosani, is that it? Yeah, Khalid Hosseini. Okay, yeah. Hosseini. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm actually reading one. One of my guilty pleasures is going to the Dollar Tree and all the books that never really sell well. They usually are really good reads. And this one is uh, 99 Nights. And look, it's probably all blotched up. But there we are, yeah. It, it's interesting because it's talking kind of about the modern um, culture of Afghanistan, things that we don't realize. Okay about yeah. kids growing up and all of those things. And I think from from what you've experienced in your life, I mm-hmm. think it would deepen our sense of empathy and humanity if people did understand what's going on in culture aside from war headlines. You know what I'm saying? Totally, 100%. I think intercultural understanding is such a huge piece of what we need to be doing in our world. Um, helping people not just highlight those differences, but to understand the values that drive some of those differences and then search for the cultural universals that tie us all together. Because regardless of where you go in the world, you're going to find people that want to have a healthy, prosperous family, that want to respect their own community and help it grow, that want to pursue, you know, a life of happiness and joy and fulfillment. And how that looks ends up being different from place to place um, and how you achieve that. But everybody has these same sorts of goals. And so for me, you know, living in these places, you know, particularly in the Middle East, which has such a polarized sort of opposite dialectic, you know, conversation to what we have here in North America, um, I think has really opened my eyes to to look for those patterns and to see how can we connect across those lines. Because once you do that, you do develop that empathy, you do develop that understanding and find you have so much more in common than you ever thought you did. Yeah, for sure. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your readers. Mm-hmm. But you're running the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Constantly evolving, growing, changing, always looking for something new and learning. Um, I think that's me. Uh, me in a nutshell, you know, yeah. I will always need a challenge and look for the next one. Um, yeah. 
So if anyone wants to pick up your book, see any travel logs, learn more about you, anything about your world, where can they go? Uh, my website, joeldavidbond.com. So it's just my full name, Joel David Bond. Um, and it's also available on Amazon. So it's called As Large As Your Spirit, a reverse refugee memoir. Uh, takes place during the pandemic, those first couple months of lockdown. Um, and as I said, it has this uh, whole overarching theme, really, of finding a place to call home. Yeah. Uh, it talks about real refugees versus my own sort of internal heart refugee status and trying to figure out a place to to call my own. Um, right on. So pick it up wherever you find books on Amazon right there and yeah. my website, joeldavidbond.com. Excellent. This has been such a surprising treat, man. Thank you, Joel, for your time, for your story, and best of luck. Have a great 2024, man. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure ch chatting with you today. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music